Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to What Load of Cobblers, Friday Night Lights, the Northampton Town audio show. Tonight's show is coming live from the Grand Union Canal on the HMS Alaska Slow. We've got Andy <laughs> Bodfish joining us again. Still ruined not being at the Tokyo Olympic Games. Have you had a good week, Andy? Are you dreaming of the juggling? Uh, yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, it's okay. Just dreaming of what might have been. Good stuff. Do you have a moment when you're, you know, you're, you should be in Tokyo? Do you have light and you can just envisage the, the crowds in the Tokyo Stadium? I don't know if you're saying Bolt's still going, but yeah, it must be. Uh, when's the next one? When's it, when's it due to be redone? Well, it's, I think the revised start date is the 20, it's 23rd, isn't it? 23rd of July next year. So um, all being well, um, this time next year, I'll be looking at some taekwondo or something, you know, the, 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 the random stuff that they put into your, your schedule on, on welfare duties. Um, you do a bit of everything. It's just a case of fingers crossed, isn't it? Everything's still up in the air, isn't it? And you you just have to you just have to sort of you know um, be positive, etc. I, I find this hard to be sympathetic with because at the end of the day, you'll end up in Tokyo at some point, or you'll be watching like <laughs> Olympic games, and we'll be just be uh, living a miserable life. So I, I thought I'm going to we'll, we'll have to move on to uh, Martin Maloney, who's got a baseball uncle later, but apparently he's still dressed up in his full baseball gear just to do his phone call. So. He's sitting now on his baseball cap, and what else do they baseball players wear, Martin? Is it they have special boots, everything, don't you? Uh, yes, you know. Or to be fair, I I, I wear like uh, molded football boots. They they work just the same as cleats, mm. uh, which is what you'd wear, which is similar to American football. So what if I just glance out, my kit's hanging off the door, ready for opening day. So you've got a shirt, a cap, uh, trousers. So they're kind of quite hard wearing. Uh, we wear grey. Some clubs wear white. Um, but you need them for all that sliding about you're doing on the base path. So, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Looking forward to it. It's been a long, long off-season for us. So um, we're thrilled to be, to be getting on and just got to tie up some last bits with all the clubs around um, around starting on Sunday. So, yeah, good good times and just enjoying a week off work as well and had a little walk down to the pub uh, for a quick pint before this and it was absolutely scorching. Sounds like more of the same tomorrow. So, yeah, good times. Yeah, fair play, mate. And when baseball starts up again and they can get some crowds in, I recommend going to watch it because it sounds like a good little, you know, fun afternoon. Just watch a bit of baseball. Probably take a beer down there up to St. Crispin's watching the game and stuff. So it might give cricket a run for its money. You never know. Um, next up, we've got Ian Brandt, the gourmet chef. who's returned from Menorca in time to avoid going into quarantine. If he starts coughing suspiciously, he'll be sent to live in Cardo's abandoned broom cupboard. How are you doing, Ian? <laughs> 
Hola, fanaticos de los zapatelos. <laughs> I've got rudimentary Spanish, but I think that means hello to fans of the shoe people, shoemakers. Hello, cobblers. Hello, cobblers fans. Nice. Did you learn that? <laughs> did, you, did you spend all your holiday learning that? See. Si. <laughs> Is it still going to be? Are you actually you speak Spanish, don't you? So this is going to be. Really oh, and poker, and poker. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning off Google Translate and um, some old Spanish um, like textbooks that my dad had. So yeah, I'm doing my best. When I go back there, I want to be able to speak it properly. Your mum's Spanish. Yes. See, sí, see, sí, mi mamá español. <laughs> Can I just say you, you beat quarantine, mate? Squeaky bum time or what? Right. I oh, know. I oh, know. We flew out, Brilliant. I think, we flew out two days after, like, the air bridge opened. So when we got the taxi, like, from East Midlands, the hotel at East Midlands Airport to the airport, the the, tax, the minibus driver for the hotel said, you're the first guest we've had, you know, since the air bridge is opened. And then, yeah, we flew back on Saturday. And then a few hours later, the government announced, um, you know, the, these quarantine laws. So we were lucky. But like, like Andy said, you know, um, you just got to hope for the best and make the most of it. And that's what we did. And we had a great holiday. So there you go. Did you, uh, did you teach the, the Spanish, you know, the Menorcans, I mean, how to do proper cooking? Your uh, Beaky Binkin. Uh, no, like <laughs> no, no, I did have, um, I had, you know, I had a paella. I had, there was a, there's a <laughs> you know, I sampled the local customs. I had a lot of Estrella Galicias because they're, um, <laughs> Not only that, it's, they, they, it's a gluten-free beer, and it's also the part of Spain my mum's from, so it's it's custom-made for me, I like to think, that beer. No, so I, uh, I remember going to Spain, and they used to do this one called San Miguel Nostrum. I don't know if they still do oh, it. Oh, yeah. Seven, eight percent or something. And I remember watching, <laughs> in a few of those, not knowing how strong it was, and I was watching the bullfighting on TV, you know, not really correct, but watching the bullfighting on the Spanish TV, and I just wanted some sort of, like, trance thing. I was completely, like, zoned out watching this bullfighting. I don't recommend it to anyone. I don't even know if they still sell it. I think it was called Nostrum because didn't Nostradamus have visions and stuff? I think maybe <laughs> that was the reason they called it that. But um, yeah, their equivalent of um, of Stella from the sounds of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And last but not least, joining us again. No, just late this week because he's uh, on holiday himself. But we got Jake Moore back, who after telling us he was mates with James Acaster, he's told us that he's going to be spending Christmas with Acaster this year. Isn't that he, right? he, he's not going to let me back at his house. That's on ice for now. Put it that way. Okay, you can work on it. There's a while till Christmas, you know. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna take more than six months, I think. But uh... <laughs> there's been there's been some water under the bridge there. I think there's been some turbulence. <laughs> Just want to make it clear that me and Acaster are fine. Yeah, there is no there's no beef. There's no beef. <laughs> But we yeah, need the Acaster content, so I'm very pleased with that because basically we're just hanging on his coattails. We're looking for a retreat from Acaster. If you're listening, please just retweet us. <laughs> That's going to be a problem. He's, he's uh, podcasted on Twitter. And, uh, oh, is he not on Twitter anymore? No, his podcast is, but he's not. So uh, bring him up and have a word. Well, that's. I mean, I, again, everyone's leaving Twitter in droves either because they're running into hot water with the far right or they're uh, getting banned for being far right. So it's, <laughs> it's one of the two. Yeah, quite uh, quite topical at the moment actually. Yeah. So we um, we actually talked a little bit about cobblers last week, probably a little bit too much. But funnily enough, this week there's been in the off season for the off season quite a little bit going on, little bits here and there. Um, first thing was the yeah, let's talk about the new away kit. Um, I was quite pleased with it because 
I assume everyone sees it. It's a Hummel effort. I was like sort of talking to the club for a long time to try and get Hummel because Nike was, you know, Nike were a bit boring. And I was on the to the club just to get, a, you know, one of these heritage brands, you know, a bit of terrorist culture about her. And they got Hummel in. So what do you what do you make of it, Jay? You quite like it, don't you? I thought it was, I think that's the nicest cobbler shirt maybe ever like i genuinely love it i think it's great well i was I, I kind of i dipped into twitter a bit this week to see what they're at because i thought surely no one can have a bad word to say about his kit because it's gorgeous and there was a few obviously <laughs> but um, i think it's great I'm, i might if i weren't uh a bit reluctant to give uh people some of my money i would maybe uh get one myself or maybe i'll uh, get one second hand in a couple of years time yeah that's probably a good way of doing it i've got the yeah. I've got the training top actually, the home training top, and it's got no sponsor on it. It's, it's quite cool, so I'm interested to see how the home shirt fails this weekend. So that's coming out on Sunday. I, I, I genuinely think it's great. I could if if the home shirt, even if the home shirt is just the you know reverse colours of that one, I would be over the moon. I think and very nice. That's a well. I tell you what, I'm going to be quite negative about the club today, but for that one, I'll give them a, one big positive thumbs up. Good kit. Fair play. Andy, did you see it as well? See the new white away kit? It's got a certainly did, yeah. Um, again, um, not not gutted about it, but I just I think it's a missed opportunity, Tom. I'll be honest with you. Um, mm. I think if they'd really committed to those pinstripes, that could have been an absolute stone-cold all-time classic. But I don't know. It's kind of like dripped red wine sort of thing. <laughs> and I get, yeah, I get, the behind, get the idea behind it, but... <laughs> just commit to those pinstripes and that that is an all-time classic i mean the the hummel chevrons are on that kit which is already a massive win colossal thumbs up there yep. but it's just a bit meh i think i was thinking now we've got hummel in the door the kits will only get better and i i think that it would be good for the club to have a little Maybe a little talk to the fans. I saw a couple of fan design kits, um, Tane Edition on Twitter, actually done some really nice ones. And they they asked me, like, have you got a design? And I just said, just do the Denmark kit, 1986. Yeah, agreed. You know, amen. Amen to that. And that was beautiful. So I'm hoping out. I'm hoping, you know, hope beyond hope that they you know, that comes out in the future. But it's definitely not a bad kit. And it'll be, Hummer will be really well made. Um, Martin, did, did, you, what do you think? Do you remember Villa had that, didn't they? In Clown? Yeah. Villa had that template in the mid-80s. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Martin, what do you what do you think of it? Yeah, I think I think I'd probably echo echo the comments so far. Uh, I was really impressed. I think, uh, yeah, if it's full pinstripes, it's it's a classic. But you know, with I think, you know, with, with Nike, it's sort of been it's a six or a seven out of ten. If it's also what you want out of a footballer, you know, that the home shirt is always decent, unspectacular. Your way ones are boring as hell because they're out of a box. Yeah. But what you've seen with Hummel, and to be fair, a lot of the manufacturers this year, they've actually got, given a bit of thought to the bespoke kits. Um, I'm seeing an Oldham's away one come out that harked back through FA Cup glory days and things like that. Right, we're going to get something good. So, yeah, yeah, commit if they'd committed to the pinstripes fully, it's a 10 out of 10. But solid 8.5 out of 10 for me. And I'm, I'm intrigued as to, the, as to the home kit. You know, I'm thinking that 84, 85 full you know claret with full pinstripes i think we're going to end up with a third kit because unless yeah. they go really radical and it's not neither claret nor white for the first for the home kit we're going to need to either retain something we've had this year or have something else um ideally ye- yellow as one of the more traditional colors you know for that time when you play sunderland but yeah. yeah i think pretty pretty happy so far 
I don't think it is. I don't think it was bad. And um, Ian, was the away kit something you'd wear walking the streets of Menorca? <laughs> I think it's it's the best away kit we've had since Christine Cardoza was um, picking the away kits. That she <laughs> That's the name country. Lawyers, uh, her fashion taste was was fantastic. She picked so a, a lovely array of um away kits. She um, really her, did, yeah. Her husband was the was the chairman that brought in Chris Wilder, probably the best manager we've had for years. And um, it was him that got the ball rolling. I don't know if you guys know that on this current like uh, stadium expansion. So we've oh, got a lot of thanks for that family for and uh, <laughs> like a. <laughs> I don't know, like, obviously, the chief exec we've got now and the, the chairman, they're doing a great job. We're in League One again. But um, maybe club president for the club president. Bring Kadoza back as club president. I, agree, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think, you no, know. No, but, yeah, but back to the present day, that is a lovely kit. And um, I always, I, I don't know, I think in like recent years, it's just the claret shirt after claret shirt. I was hoping maybe this year's home shirt could be could be more predominantly white. I know there's people on this podcast not who, who aren't a fan of that, but if you look back at the, the Coppers kits down the years, we have, you know, it's it's claret, it's predominantly claret or predominantly white. I wouldn't mind a, a return. I wouldn't have minded that as a as a home shirt. Perhaps not. Perhaps not. Perhaps a little bit more claret. Maybe claret sleeves or something like that. Well, just just yeah. um just to echo what you're saying, Ian. Really, in some ways, when I am the chairman of the football club as part of a totalitarian fan takeover that I'm planning, yeah. I'm going to change the colour of the kit to green, black, and gold to just in, embrace sort of uh, some brand recognition with the Northampton Saints. Um, and that, and that, there'll be there'll be no vote on that. I would they'll just we'll just be doing it. But don't you think that would be a great bit of cross promotion if we had Certainly. a green and gold <laughs> away shirt and they had a <laughs> away shirt no a home shirt it would have to be a home shirt for this to work for me <laughs> there we go the sort of stuff that goes in just the word Travis on the Saints kit and then Perkins on the um, on the Cobblers kit just Maybe. really pollinate it all yeah change our name to just Northampton Saints football club that would be uh, that's what I'm doing when we take when we take over the club where does radical left take over that's uh, first on the agenda I thought we were going to be the Northampton Gunslingers, though, Jake. Oh, of course, yes. Sorry about that. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. We need to we need to stick with that for now. We'll give it a few years as the uh, you know the Wild West motif, and then we'll just switch to the the Saint. Something with the Cowboys, and then sell our soul. That's you know that's the chair. That's a football chairman one hundred and one. You know, <laughs> carrot and stick, isn't it? I just, can I quickly just interject before we move on to the matters? But just when we, while we're talking hypothetically in the, the day of the revolution, we're going to obviously we won't have a, a shirt sponsor because that's you know that that would be um, mm. that's a capitalist sort of thing. We square <laughs> on the picture of him on the front, a picture of Che Guevara. Yeah, Che Guevara on the front of the shirt. This is, yeah, yeah. This is this is getting good now. I think um, if people uh, slightly think the, you know, a basic level of fan ownership is basically Stalinism, I think a picture of Che Guevara will give a lot of people a few heart attacks. You know what I mean? It's going to be... That's what we want. We're, we're the evil left-wing supporters. We want to scare people and punish them for daring to have a different opinion to us. That is, that is how we operate. <laughs> so, basically, we've got... We've got it all down. Northampton Gunslingers stroke, Northampton State uh, Saint stroke, uh, Cuban revolutionaries. Uh, that's that. That's that. Lockdown now. We've got that. Sort of <laughs> yeah. 
let's quick let's move on a little bit to um the new Congolese signing we've got, which um, I'm struggling with the name a little bit. He's called Christoph, Christopher Mizilu. I keep calling him Misery Lou, which is the uh, theme tune to Pulp Fiction by Dick Dale and the Deltones. So that's yeah. that's not a good start. <laughs> great tune, by the way. A great a great name for a band. But um, yeah, he he looks like a, a quite solid signing. I've only seen him on a show reel, which lasts for about three minutes and is just basically loads of really hard tackles and just like crunching people, which, you know, <laughs> won't go and miss any couple um, Martin, what do you think of the signing? Um, again, you know, we've, we've seen show reels. We've seen he's played a lot, a lot of games for, for Oldham. Curl speaks highly of him. You know, you would imagine they've, they've done their homework, but clearly uh, with the way we play, McCormack going, there's a space for someone to play that role. And he seems, you know, very much set for that. Probably um, from some of the clips I've seen, with a little bit more um, skill, perhaps as well as well as crunching tackles. And they definitely, you know, curl them. It was the same under Wilder. They seem to like players in that sort of 27, 28, 29, 30 sort of range. So that might well be, you know, factor into it as well. But yeah, it's good to see us getting business done early. It's like the Oldham fans said he's he's a solid signing. I think he's probably an upgrade especially mobility wise from uh, McCormack because you know he, he wasn't really finishing out games so we want to see players uh, upgrades when you're going to League One perhaps we haven't seen that so much in recent years um, Ian do you you were on holiday but do you catch much of um, Christopher Mizilou signing? I did let's hope he's more of a, when it comes to French players let's hope he's more of an Eric Sabin than a uh, Francis Laurent or do you remember Thomas Pinol who um, yeah yeah. Used us to get a, to get a free uh, away um, a, like foreign training uh, camp out of us, and then like signed for Grimsby, I think. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think Curl's probably had him lined up. You know, I think the fact that Curl's kind of gone out and, and, and it's a good sign, and I think he'll probably get the best out of him. You know, I'm a bit of a football hipster, and I just I just like the fact that he's, he's international. I was looking through some of the teams he's played for before, which are just brilliant names from France. Uh, Brest FC, <laughs> uh, FC Monceux, which is a you know, God, it sounds like some sort of mountain, mountain side team. Uh, Anton SSG and the best one, Le Puy Foot. Andy, that's him uh, named the country with, aren't they? Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, mate. The the exotic, um, you know, there's a there's a there's a sense of the exotic there. He came, he came from Auxerre, didn't he? He's he's come up through the the Auxerre ranks. You know, I mean, yeah, he ended up. I think he played he played one league uh match for Auxerre back in the early 2010s, 2011, 2012, something like that. So, obviously, um, you know, got the correct schooling and so on. He's knocked around a bit, and then well, he didn't really make an impression as far as I can gather until he sort of rocked up at Oldham. And from yeah. what I can gather, he made quite an impression there. And as as has been pointed out just a little bit earlier, it's just all about that bit of presence, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's just made like pretty amazing. We're signing anyone in this sort of scenario. We don't even know when football is going to start again. Northampton's having another spike with COVID. It could easily yep. go into local lockdown, whatever that could have have effect. So the fact that we're signing anyone in this crazy world and sort of scenario we live in is, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, fair play. Um, Andy, have you got, you know, you've covered a lot of African football, African Nations Cup as well. Have you, you ever co- 
gone to the Congo, we need to point out there's two countries in the Congo, isn't there? There's Democratic Republic of Congo, and there's the Congo, I think. The other one is Congo Brazzaville. So the one. He's the other Congo, isn't he? Yeah, Yeah, DRC, which used to be Zaire. Which is Uh, huge. That's like the size of Western Europe. And and then Congo Brazzaville, because there's basically, you've got the River Congo, and you've got a colossal city. Um, split by that river and on one side right. it's Kinshasa and on the other side it's Brazzaville and um, you know we're getting into different territory if we talk about the sort of you know why it ended up that way um, but yeah I did, I, did actually, I did actually commentate a match at the Nations Cup not unfortunately um, well the, that Nations Cup was in Equatorial Guinea 2015 um, but yeah DRC against Congo um, in the quarterfinals in Bata, um, fantastic match. Um, Congo were two 0 down. Uh, DRC uh, they came back to win four two. Um, Balassi ran the game in the second half, and um, yeah, it was kind of just keep an eye on the notes because with the best win in the world, you've got oh, it's, it's kind of difficult when you've got I don't know two countries who are different but they're called the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, just be vigilant um, and hold back. You just hold back, you know, if you're not sure. just. Um... But that's the art of the commentator having, having the right notes prepared. And we haven't had too many internationals at Northampton, so it's, it's just nice to have someone. Quite. We put some international shirt and just, a, you know, just had something a little bit different. Yeah, so he's come in, got a new shirt. That's probably more footballing sort of side of things and stuff you know the cobbler side and then there was a bit of a how do I describe it tete-a-tete this week it sort of rumbled quite quietly it wasn't sort of obvious but there was a tete-a-tete going on between pretty much Calvin Thomas the club chairman and the supporters trust about not just a redevelopment you know it often gets called a redevelopment there is you know real signs now of a, a land deal in the offing on the land you know behind six fields and it, it, what you know, it wasn't you know particularly nice what's gone on particularly for you know, um, We probably need to recap the story a bit for people to understand what's going on. Like, I'll try and cut a long story short, but basically, when Calvin Thomas and David Bauer took over in 2015 after the Cardoza stuff, they indicated that they had four million pounds to finish the standing in working capital in a BBC interview, and Calvin Thomas said that. Bauer basically was coming to the end of his property development cycle and I remember the buzz at the time people were saying that you know they're football guys and not really interested in the land and stuff they're going to finish the stand um cut forward to now and the stand's not finished and it seems that um you know Bauer and Thomas have acquired the leases to the land and there appears to be a land deal in the offing with the council now um the trust basically released a statement about this saying that calling for more transparency and i'll quote it you know verbatim um they said that the deal that they've found out about from a freedom of information request does not represent the best interests of either northampton town fc or its supporters it's for the local politicians to say as to whether or not it delivers best value for the local taxpayer and they went on to the trust went on to say that Board members of the trust are extremely concerned that details of the deal are once again being kept private under the cloak of commercial confidentiality when openness and transparency should be imperative. So it seems like, like transparency is a big bugbear over 
the potential deal with the trust and local councillors have weighed in asking for the deal to be open to full scrutiny in local council cabinet meetings so that happened from the trust side and then it, it seems pretty much fair enough a call for transparency from the trust you know given what happened with the, the Cardozas and the history of the town and the council and stuff and the football club um, and then the, the football club itself released one of its in-house videos between Calvin Thomas and Gareth Wiltshire and Thomas, you know, he said his side of things. He mentioned things like false information from the trust misstatements, sort of language of that, you know, nature. So things, you know, got a bit tasty and um, Calvin's obviously not happy with the way the trust is going about it. Um, let's start with you, Ian. What's your, what's your take on it? Do you think the trust are being fair enough in the way they're calling for transparency and looking, asking questions or do you reckon they're taking it too far? It'd be very naive uh, to make the same mistake twice, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I saw a, I saw a post on the hotel end um, redevelopment thread. It's about five thousand pages long. That thread has been going since two thousand and twelve or something. And someone yeah. said, "Well, you know, the Cardoza debacle happened on the trust's watch. How can we trust them?" Which you know, I mean, like. <laughs> So I can see where whoever that person is is coming from in a way because it's true because it did, but they don't the trust don't want to make the same mistake again, so that's why they've called for transparency. Um, yeah. Same as the council, uh, they really, really won't want anything to go wrong again this time round because that was the most like people still talk about that now, don't they? Anything related to the council, oh, this is because of the 10 million that the football club lost. So it's actually in the best interest of, of everyone because if, like, it doesn't go right, and, and I mean, if, 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 if like, Kelvin Thomas and David Bowers um, have got good, you know, they're, they're doing things the, the right way and everything, and it, and it goes through, that's, that's fine. But either way, it still does need to be done properly because if it doesn't go through the right way, the council, like, they just, they just can't, they can't make the same mistake twice. The council can't make the, state, the same mistake twice, and 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 um, the the trust can't. The other thing is, yeah, like, I don't know, like, there was, it, it's interesting as well. I noticed when when the, the trust released a state a statement, normally there's usually a lot of snide comments straight away on Twitter yeah. from certain people, um, and I actually think that the statement the trust made i don't think anybody could argue with it at the time like nobody no, none of the usual suspects who who are yeah. completely against the trust um said anything because you can you couldn't argue with it because what yeah. what is wrong with wanting transparency there's absolutely nothing wrong with with wanting full transparency so who can argue with that and 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 at the time nobody nobody did and then the chairman did so i don't you know what why would and also i don't i don't know maybe i'm naive like Commercial sensitivity, like what? Why? What? What does he want? Commercial sensitivity. What? Why is that? Uh, what? What reasons that? So, commercial sensitivity isn't that usually when you're worried someone is gonna like outbid you for something. So, is like Kelvin and David worried that someone is gonna outbid them for the land or for, for the for the club? <laughs> I don't understand like why commercial sensitivity comes into it. Surely it's like. So there you go. Yeah, it'd be worth asking the question. We don't know what the land deal is, what it, what it, even on a basic level, what is going to be built. 
you know, you assume something's going to be built in an enabling deal. What's going to be built back there? The public don't know that. They don't know the layout of the, the, the stand. Back in Cardoza's time, no one knew what the stand was going to look like when it finished. We haven't seen any real basic drawings on an official public display about what the stand's going to look like. We don't really, the public don't really know anything about the land deal or what the club are going to get out of it, you know, really, apart from some little basic snippets here and there. So that's not ideal given the history of the club. And let's face it, Kelvin Thomas and David Bauer knew what club they were coming into. They were, they were coming into a club that had, had problems with at least two previous owners, a lot of issues with lack of transparency. So they knew that were they're taking on. So I can't think they'll, they'll be naive to that. I think transparency was important to you in this subject, wasn't it, um, Andy? You were thinking, you know, I don't think you could see too much of a problem with the transparency angle in terms of the... No, exactly. um, again, it's sort of Emperor's new clothes, isn't it? Um, you, you, you come so far with... Uh, I don't, the way football is now and, um, you know, the, what, the relationships that one needs to build at the top of a football club to expand and, um, and, and so forth, um, that sort of takes a certain amount of... Again, you've got to be careful with your language, even on these podcasts. But um, yeah. so it takes a certain amount of sort of compromise and selling little bits of your soul to various other people to sort of, you know, form a, a big project, which is in the greater interest of everyone. Um, that's kind of the way the world works now. And the, the, the trust is just a handbrake on that, isn't it? It's like, this is the way things should be. And kind of none of us, I think, would dispute that. But mm. that's, that's not the way, the, I, as far as I can see, anyway, that's not the way the world works now. The, the trust has got the best interests of the football club at heart mm. at the end of the day, as have the, the owners. And there's this kind of unspoken, as far as I can see, um, you know, sort of, there's this unspoken, the world don't work like that, mate. Yeah. Um, Martin, what, Martin, you're a trust member, I believe. How, do you think the trust is just doing its job with what it's doing at the moment, however unpalatable to certain supporters? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, I, I am no expert on <clears throat> club finance, whatever. I am probably, you know, to remember in the Cardoza days, I feel the club's in, be- in better shape now. So I've, I've no axe to grind at all with the current regime. You know, I think they've provided decent product on the park once they went, got over their um, support, you know, to appointing rubbish managers for a little a little while. But I think there's there's certain things in the, almost the ecosystem of how things should work. Um, Sports Trust is going to be there long after the current regime has gone, the current manager has gone, current players gone, and it represents, you know, it's the only organisation I think we've got uh, as supporters at the club that is, I think, the, the description of a handbrake on it, you know, trying to hold things up to, to mm. scrutiny. And that's that's important that, that that happens, and they wouldn't be doing their job if they weren't asking yeah, for exactly. transparency. I think, you know, where we also should expect that from, and again, it's not to criticise, in, not to criticise individuals, but we also need, you know, the council caught a real cold when they signed off, you know, lending the cobblers 12 million. You know, you cannot afford to make those sort of mistakes again. And I think, you know, the press should absolutely be be asking those same questions. It's not 
it's not a crit- I don't think you're mm. being critical by asking questions. You're you're doing you're doing your job, and I know I I think there's a, a real difficulty, and I think it's in the local press across the place. You're so dependent on the club that you're in less of a position to be able to ask those questions because if the club cuts you out you really you know you've re- you know you're pretty much doing yourself out of a job so i think the trust has to step up and ask those questions and i think i think everyone's got a, got a right to do it it's a you know it's 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 a grown up game you know it's not about falling out with people it's just saying look we want to see you know we want to see what's there let's be open and honest about it and that's different to you know some people got a desire for club for fan ownership that's I told you, I think, you know, they, the um, Thomas and Bauer want to run the club a certain way. I don't, I'm not too upset about that. I think, you know, they, they will, they will do what they want, but you, because you're running club, you've got to be open to scrutiny. So I think the trust doing the right thing. I'd like to see, to see more of that, but being done in a, in a constructive way, you know, let, let's engage, let's, you know, ask questions, questions be asked, questions be answered. There, there is absolutely the stuff about commercial confidentiality. Of course, there's times and the things you can't talk about. Equally, there's not a bidding war to build something at Sixfields. The com- yeah. you know, the, the football club and the council are going to do a deal. Council need to, need to be open and honest because we elect them, and the trust have absolutely got to be saying, look, let's let's see what it's about. Jake, um, it's, it's 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 a difficult situation, especially some of the fans. They, they they like to have a little snipe at the supporters' trust. What do you make of the whole thing and you know the way the, the fans have approached it as well? Um, you might need to rein me in during oh, this. I'm so bored of it. I'm just yeah. so unbelievably bored of it. Like when I went to Canada in 2017, I the last game I went to it was Peterborough at home, and I left at half time because I wasn't satisfied with how the club was being run and I've never been satisfied with how the club is being run because those are days and going into the current administration as well yeah I think that David Palethorpe thing is uh it was relevant at the time and it it just seems that what what sort of got my goat to an extent is that there was a fan on Twitter saying that basically the trust is failing to the effective ad- advocates for the fans, right? And we've talked about the trust. Andy's talked about quite eloquently about the the trust doing its best, you know, for the future of the club. And so, if is it that the trust isn't failing to be effective advocates for the fans, or could it be that the trust is about transparency and good governance for the club, and the fans, by and large, haven't shown any interest in those two things? Going right back to the Cardoso days when over ten million pounds disappeared out of the club. So the trust is only as strong as its membership, isn't it? So if you want to help the trust, join the trust. If you want the trust to change, join the trust. Or it's easier just to stand on the sidelines and just sneer. Here's one thing I would say about the trust. When the Cadoza thing happened, I was in in the room at the uh, county council. um, But I remember one of the things that I took away from the time was that the trust had absolutely sleptwalked into that situation. They weren't effective. They weren't effective as a supporters trust. And they had allowed this situation to happen by not holding David Cadoza to account. The difference this time around is they have some teeth behind them and they are trying their best to hold people to account. I hope that my concerns are just concerns. I would love nothing more than to be wrong on every single level. Believe me, I know that's hard for some people to believe, but I would love to be wrong in a situation. But yeah. if, but basically, 
as Ian said, if you've got a situation where with our history at this football club, the recent history as well, the thing that annoys me the most is how over more than half of the people seem to have forgotten what has happened six and four years ago. This isn't like it was twenty-five <laughs> years ago. This was four years ago. You can bleep that. But this is this is recent history, and they're now expecting the trust to just sit quietly when they have some what I can see quite legitimate concerns. It's crazy. Like it's absolutely crazy, and this is why I don't want to go there anymore. I, you know, I avoid going to the cobblers. I, you know, I don't go. I don't, I'm not on Twitter for other reasons, but I have no desire to get back in there to talk to any of these people. Listen, the people who are listening to this podcast, they've already been won over. They're on our side. They think rationally, and they are capable of cognitive thought. Oh man, it gets me so angry and so annoyed, and I try and wash my hands of it and try and take a step back from it all. But ultimately, yeah. you know, what do you want them to do? What do you want them to do? Do you want them to just let this go unchallenged and then end up in another fiasco? For, what's the saying? For me once, shame on, shame on you. For me twice, shame on me. Like, yeah. Jesus yeah. wept. Jesus wept, guys. Just get a grip. <laughs> Jay, Jay yeah. it does go. There's always Tata Steel. They will always come in and save us. I that think... reminds me of the time when I rang up um, India, didn't I? Because... Um... There was Tom. all this interest in Tata Steel, and I rang up. I can't remember the name of it. It was some, it was some quite a big company in India. I rang up India on my phone. I managed to get the phone number. I got to this <laughs> woman. I swear she was like a cleaning lady. She could speak English she had brilliantly, and she was literally saying to me, what the F are you going on about? You're so, she just didn't. Are you taking over the cobblers to some random steel company? And, and Tom, and Tom, that was, uh, and that was more investigative journalism on the issue that you did there and the Chronicle and Echo did in around three years. The thing for me is it just seems like people said that, and Jake's talked about it really level-headedly, but people said, oh, the trust, why, didn't, why aren't they doing more like with, with Cardoza? Now the trust are doing more and doing its job. People don't like it. And yeah. it just seems to me that there's a bit of, you know, slight double standards there in some people on Twitter saying something about Kelvin Thomas there's no football club, which I don't I don't really think is true because yeah, I, can, I, I can remember being told that when I was one of the few people who were critical of David Cardoza, it's the same things they say all the time. It's oh well, do you yeah. know anyone with six million quid? Or oh, well, yeah. it's his it's his yeah. football club. He can do what he wants. Yeah, yeah. Um, see what see what happened last time. You absolute idiots. It, like, well, that, that's, I don't want to go on about it too long because I know Martin's got a, his baseball and we you know don't want to run out of time, but. It, it is just deja vu. I saw a, I saw a thing the other day going, without without Kelvin, we wouldn't have a club. Yeah, they said that about Cardoso, <laughs> like Jake said. You know what I mean? How short of memory have these people got? But I mean, like, going back to that hotel end thread, I know that's, you know, whatever. But someone, people on there said, well, we can't yeah. afford, the, the club couldn't afford to be run, um, like, by fan ownership. The, the, they just wouldn't be able to finance the club. Um, there's no, yeah, there's not that many millionaires or billionaires out there who are going to invest in us. Fine. Um, so, you know, it's not sustainable. And actually, you know, like uh, going back to that Palethorpe um, blog, the, the Cardoza, after taking over the club, realised a few weeks later he couldn't make it work either. So do you know what I think the best solution for, for the cobblers to, to be run is? Have owners with money potentially um, like get, cashing out on a, on a land deal, which is never going to happen. And just keep this like cycle going forever. Just have people <laughs> forever hoping that that golden carrot of that land is going to come good. But I mean, the 
Just how, delight. how valuable is this land? I, I just can't get my head around it. It's any it's like toxic anyway. It's like built on an old tip. Like, why do people want it so much? Yeah, the 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 sort of irony of all of this is everyone's getting we're getting quite wrapped up just talking about it. This is all a big argument about a development which is gonna I think is gonna bring and I'm happy to be challenged or questioned on this. I think it's 150 extra seats from what the East End was like when it was first built. Yeah, a few boxes which Luton Town put boxes in, in in the early 80s. Basically, we're arguing tooth and nail over our development. I don't think will be particularly, you know, future-proofed. Won't change the club that much. So that's the actual irony of it all. We're arguing over 200 seats, a few boxes. I just think to sum it up, this little segment, is that if uh, Calvin Thomas's deal is, you know, watertight and good for the club and everything, I'm not sure how why are things got so bad between the fans and and it, and is it a good indictment of Calvin Thomas that fans things have got so bad between the fans a lot of bad blood on his watch it's fair enough to constructively criticise the trust which is fine because I, I I do it myself and I've had words with them myself over certain things and stuff and I do think the trust needs to change with them but to berate like good people working their asses off in their spare, spare time to protect the club's future is quite sad really and. Some have said the trust is anti-club, in inverted commas, and stuff like that. And I just think that's sort of beyond the pale. And as Brian Lomax said, the fans are the club, not the owners. And as Martin has said, the fans will be here long after Calvin Thomas has left. Calvin so, Thomas said that himself when he took over. <laughs> yeah, we just need to be a bit more, stick together a bit more. If you're just, I think fans, my, what I would say is just sit in the middle so in a bit more. Don't just put all your eggs in Calvin Thomas' basket, basket. don't put more in the trust, be a bit more cute, be a bit more savvy, a bit more cool about it, and just sit in the middle, and there's, I think there's too many people that are taking, you know, gone, you know, gone, gone to the side of, yeah, I'm of guilty, the when they're, they're, they're hearing, they're hearing, hear one minute, gone the next, and, you know, um, have a bit of, you don't have to have respect for the trust, but be a bit sort of kind, kind towards them in, in, in our analysis, you know, try and look at it from their side, and that sort of goes back to James Hennigan, the, the crime writer, who, Said he was on holiday, but went on Twitter to completely pr- adverbatim the, the 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 club stuff. Didn't put the trust statement up. That's have a bit of balance about things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean again, like I said, what, what the whatever the Colin Quinn Echo does these days, it's not surprising to me because he needs to be disappointing. We're a bad newspaper full of bad journalists. So yeah, that's enough heavy duty cobblers analysis. We've got a little segment this week. We couldn't think of a, a name for it. It's either cobblers over land, sea, and canal. Or town on the towpath. We've uh, we're going to talk about we can want to go on a barge in holiday, canal boat holiday, with three cobblers player and one manager. And you've got to choose, Martin. Who would you choose to go on this lovely water break with? I gave this it's a bit of thought probably only this evening. As we've been going through the other bits, thinking who's the interesting guys I've I've either talked to or would like to talk to. So I've come up with a four. Um, first one, Xander Diamond. Just nice. Really, real effect with the season we stayed we stayed up after um, under Chris Wilder, and he came into the into Cars Bar in his socks, had a beer with me and a couple me and a couple of mates and my nephew, and it was just like just socks, cool to see. That's <laughs> taking his boots off. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it would have been a more interesting um, conversation. Well. Plus, as well, with my kind of Celtic sympathies, Xander Diamond's feelings about the other club in Glasgow are kind of um, well documented. So um, I think we, we'd get on definitely over a beer. Yeah, 
so an- another one, uh, for different reasons, again from the same era, Gregor Robertson. So it was a Scotsman. Yeah, fa- fair, fairly decent defender. Helped, did a job, kept kept us in the league, but has gone on now to work professionally as a journalist working for the Times. Again, every time I hear him on the radio, I read his stuff. I'm like, this guy. I'd like, you know, I wouldn't mind spending a bit of time with him. So, I think. So, do you reckon on that canal boat he could tell you a few little stories about his playing career and sort of entertain you a little bit? And it rains. Um, definitely, definitely. And of course, if if you've got Big Xander and Gregor telling the stories, you probably want someone of a more musical bent. So that kind of left me, led me to Paul McGregor, who probably oh, isn't no. making many teams <laughs> first eleven. <laughs> <laughs> but Jake actually's got some sympathy with him now. He's, he's sort of accepted everything Paul McGregor. McGregor was right. McGregor was right. I was yeah. wrong. He didn't like football. It's one or of Northampton. <laughs> and I think you know the the one who probably would also be he'd be in your be in your all time cobblers team just for his straight talking and that wonderful wonderful thing recently that he said about people in the pub saying Jamie they could be where Jamie Vardy was and he's like well you're not and that's because he worked it and it's Chris Wilder and I reckon a few days on the barge with them fridge full of beer nothing could possibly go wrong <laughs> I think uh, Chris Wilder would be a good uh, steady captain for that shit we get him on the uh, the rudder I was thinking of I couldn't I was trying to think of some like uh, boat, nautical boat themed um, cobblers players or players it's really struggling the only one I could think of was David Seal, as in the. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not sure there's many David Seals on the Grand Union Canal, so he's going to be on there as well. Australian, he'll be good with the Barbie skills, I reckon. Get you know, put the stop the boat, put the Barbie on. So he was one I'm going to go for, and then two others. They come together as a little package or a big package. Is um, Carl Hex, John Gale. I reckon they would, uh, they'd had a lot of entertainment for that boat. You want to go on a barge holiday with Carl Heggs? You nutter. Carl, exactly. He'll be he'll liven things up. Carl Heggs and John Gale, they're bound to start fighting and rowing and I'd probably over like who has the last Frey Bontos pie. There's gonna be uh, there's gonna be driver there, isn't there? And also John Gale will be he's not, he's not bringing out the Kazi. He's not a t- oh, man, there's no way Carl Heggs is gonna do his turn bringing out the Kazi. Surely. I, I think John Gale would be good on the pushing the lock open. Do you know what I mean? He's got a bit of muscle behind him, so you've got to think of the practicalities. Martin was too sensible with like who he wants to hang out with. It's about the actual boatmanship of these people. So I'm going oh. with them three. And then the manager who's going to come on this uh, boat holiday, which is turning more and more into an Alan Partridge episode, is um, Herbert Chapman. Absolute legend of the yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. I hope he's alive in this, sir. Uh... Oh, I did have to be alive. Can be dead. So, oh, oh, yeah, I know. So he's he's going to be dead on the boat with you, like a sort of weekend at Bernie situation. <laughs> yeah, that's like a name to conjure with. That's a sort of uh, uh, video I try and get. We try and get from the like a video shop and knock him on the floor. Weekend at Bernie is what a classic. Uh, <laughs> well, basically the premise is he's dead, isn't he? And they have to pretend he's alive by like making him dance and stuff. And... So, so you, Carl Heggs and John Gale, were going to be prepen- pretending that the. I mean, I don't want to disrespect the dead, but you're going to be have the corpse of Herbert Chapman. He's been dead a few years as well, so this is going to logistically this is a nightmare. But the three of you are going to be making it look on a on a, a canal boat that he's still alive. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think it, it, it's got legs, and you know, it's uh, I'm, I'm going to sell that to uh, Sony Sony Movies the next the next weekend at Bernie's free. Weekend at Bernie's free with Herbert Chapman. 
Weekend at Herbie's. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be sold. Uh, with all my uh, ideas for films and TV franchises, I, I must add, we're going to sell Canal Boat, Cobbler's Canal Boat into North Hans TV when we reboot it. We're going to get that on North Hans TV. Uh, yeah. Let's go with, who else haven't we asked? Uh, let's go with you, Andy. Uh, yeah, um, I might like to add, basically, when you suggested this, um, yeah. I, I re- my heart leapt with joy because I've done this. When I was playing for Water Eaton in the MK Regional Leagues, when I was about 12, we went on a barge holiday. We went down the Grand Union Canal from Milton Keynes, and the Grand Union Canal ends up, I think it's the Serpentine in Hyde Park. You can basically get on a barge in Milton Keynes and you can end up in Hyde Park. And it took us a week to do. Um, it was the summer of 1988. It was the week before uh, Euro 88 was on. Uh, and I remember it well. It was one of the worst weeks of my life. It was an absolute disaster. Um, so, um, yeah, so I've gone for um, Eddie McGoldrick. Just a, he's just a laugh. He's a terrific bloke. He's a great fella. Um, Jack Charlton stories are a classic. Yeah, Jack Charlton stories. I reckon he, he's, he's just on the level, Eddie. I love him. Yeah. Um, F on a lad. You'd pick up a little bit of French. Um, yes. And also, you know, I like the idea of sort of rocking up in Little Brick Hill and just going to a little pub with, um, with F on a lad. Um, oh, and, uh, and, and, and I think Charlie Goode as well. I think Char- Charlie Goode's just the top, top bloke. Um, and I, I, I just like to chill. I just like to chill with him. Um, although I like the um, I like the idea of a John Gale style character for the locks. By the way, if you're looking for a, a, a name for this section, um, lockdown. <laughs> anyway, and Kevin, yeah, you know, get Kevin Wilson on board. That guy, that guy had a good skill set. He was he was one of the lads, but he was you know he sort of he knew how to turn the dial and be your boss. And I just think I just think Kevin Wilson on a barge going from Little Brick Hill to the Serpentine, I think I think he'd be an asset to that environment. I can imagine F and E lad in his uh, shorts and bomber jacket, just chilling on top of the thing, waiting for the uh, the next pub. You've got Kevin Wilson making the sizzling platters for you all. You know what I mean? It's just perfect, isn't it? Kevin Wilson had a good skill set. He really did. I reckon he could. I reckon he could knock up a yeah, a, like five fry ups, and then sort of you know just sort of know about diesel and stuff. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I reckon he'd be a good bloke on a barge. That's another TV show idea. Wilson on diesel. He just talks us through the history of diesel, <laughs> red diesel. <laughs> I think I think he'd be a sort of stealthy problem solver, Kevin Wilson. That's absolutely. I, that's the best answer I could have hoped for. To be fair, I think Ian's going to have to go, go something to follow this. Ian, what you know, who would you take on your Cobblers Canal holiday? Right. Um, firstly, like I'd like to go to the Stainforth and Keedby Canal in South Lincolnshire, Yorkshire way. So I've gone <laughs> with nice. Russell, Wilcox, Russell Wilcox for my first choice because he's obviously you know he's from the Scunthorpe area, so he'd have good local knowledge and he's quite nice. a good. Have character as well. I've gone for Lee Colkin. Um, a lot of he, put, he always put a lot of effort into everything he does, and I think he would be helping out, keeping things clean, keeping the boat ship shape, opening the locks for us. So I don't, he's always full of enthusiasm and running. Um, yep. If he got tired, someone with a bit of pace, Derek Asimov off the bench, and, <laughs> and, and obviously, lad, when you're 
when you're um, on a canal trip, you're, you always like to have a look out for your young talent. And who's good at that? Graham Carr as the manager. Oh man, that is uh, that is just a, a, a great roster, and I just think that'll be one of the, the best holidays ever. To be fair, Asamoa, just keeping things cool, can do the step over to entertainment. You know, went to OGC Nice, being player, and then going far with his uh, Geordie charisma. I think that's that's pretty good, Jake. <laughs> Jake's, Jake's has done no homework on this, so God knows what Jake's uh, I've been thinking, I, 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 I've got like two different crews. I've got like one for the good trip and one for the bad trip. So for the good trip, I'm okay. going to go with the, with Nando's crew, uh, Bayo, Clark Carlisle, Jake Robinson, and I'll right. stick. Um, I'll put Wilder in there because, you know, be decent to talk to him. But the bad one, which will probably end like in sort of like a heart of darkness kind of situation. Uh, <laughs> like maybe heart of darkness meets Lord of the Flies. Probably have like Paul McGregor. I'm on this boat as well, obviously. Paul McGregor, okay. maybe Leon McKenzie, um, Sam Park. You know, if you had a very good time at the Cobblers, uh, either to be honest with you. I mean, as manager, Dave Lee. <laughs> <laughs> so this is basically people that are going to eventually hate each other. It's going to get very. Or weird. it goes the other way. It will be confirmed friends. I don't know, but like. I want, I want there to be, you know, do you remember like the early, like they had the episode of Big Brother, but it was really boring. So the next year yeah. they put in loads of like crap pots basically, and they had to send security in because there was a scrap. I'm oh, kind of. Remember, um, I know you're a uh, Big Brother connoisseur like me. Uh, mm. Remember, um, I think it was Ahmed who started smashing plates. Yeah, A's for amazing, H for hero, <laughs> M for mega, E for easy, D for delightful, Ahmed. <laughs> the thing is, whenever Jake talks about Big Brother, I'm like embarrassed. I remember it, and I remember um, who was those two mates, the Scottish geezer and the the Jungle Cats. The Jungle Cats. What was Vic- he called? He's called a uh, uh, Victor. Victor. The Slick Man, man. Rap- rapper slash Hitman. And he left, and uh, the Scottish guy went Victor. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> they were, uh, what Big Brother yeah. contestants would you get on a canal boat with? Because I'd get on with the Jungle Cats, I think. Um, if I was doing it, I can't remember. I can't go back to, back in time with the characters. Science. Science was a good. Yeah. Is he a rapper or a poet or something? He was a sort of rapper poet, but he he said Tweedle Dumb, Tweedle D, and Tweedle Twat. He said that to uh, Max <laughs> Maxwell, Anthony, and uh, Craig. I think was the third one. Uh, Craig and Darren. Let's, Darren let, let's not talk about the cobblers ever again and let's just turn <laughs> this into a big brother podcast. That's what I want to do. Like, yeah, again, I've completely forgotten what we're talking about. Oh, yeah, the canal boat. So basically, <laughs> my only worry about your Heart of Darkness don't big brother podcast is not, first things, there's not enough space on that bloody boat now with the number of people you've got it. And two, with McGregor, I worry that you, your logical mind realises that he was completely right about hating Northampton and everything yeah. he said about it was right. You might get drunk and then turn a bit on him and go back to your old way of thinking. That yeah, that's true. Uh, that is true. I've seen his band. This is the thing about Paul McGregor. I've seen yeah. his band, and not yeah. on purpose either. I it was an accident, and I saw <laughs> and I watched them, and I was like, yeah. oh, they, "Oh, these are pretty good." And then I about three years later, he was on Soccer I was like, "Yeah, I'm in this band called Ulterior," and I was like, "I've seen this band." And then he really started slating the cobblers and the fans, and I was like, "You <laughs> prick!" Like I couldn't believe. And then, in retrospect, he was right. He was right all along. So <laughs> it was. 
Like Pobles, he gets very animated and he gets very, he, there's a real deep bitterness. And he always talks beautifully about uh, Brian Clough and being at Nottingham Forest and a club, you know, with you know all that heritage and stuff. Then he talks about Cobblers, and if you've seen the interviews with him, he goes dark, he goes bad on <laughs> He's like joke outfit and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, no, he'd be good for a, he'd be good for a canal boat, and he could get his get his guitar out and play really badly for everyone so that's that's pretty decent I mean, they were a good band they were a good band but i was blinded by my um my tribalism i think in <laughs> so yeah i think that that sort of wraps up the uh cobbler's barge holiday we'll on that bombshell yeah so uh let's wrap up guys we've been talking for a bit we talked about you know a few heavy hitting things and the usual nonsense and uh we'll get there canal about sorted out so you know a few weeks time so we'll, we'll speak soon guys we'll have a little chat next week we'll get Jefferson Lake back we'll have to pay him 100 quid to come but money well spent I reckon you guys <laughs> take it easy have a good weekend you too see you later mate bye bye, bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.